Stories, fables, ghostly tales. Howdy, my lovely listeners. I hope your day is getting off to a great start. And for all you lovelies in the Southern Hemisphere, let the night be as chill as Netflix. Because it's time for some poems. Yeah, that's right. Get pumped for poems. Something I thought I'd never say. Now, some of you are probably sighing, and the other half are clapping your hands in anticipation. Rest assured, I'll keep this interesting. Because I only bring you the best, right? (laughs) There's a mix of authors in today's lineup. Some well-known, some not so much, with varying different poetry styles. And for those of you who aren't fans of poetry, not gonna lie here. I wasn't a fan until I started reading more and more of it. And now, I love it. (laughs) So those that are ready to listen, let's get to it. And for those of you who aren't sure, maybe I can convince you. (laughs) Let's dive right in. Tota Nantes by Gothi The warder looked down at the mid-hour of the night, on the tombs that lie scattered below. The moon fills the place with her silvery light, and the churchyard, like day, seems to glow. When see, first one grave, then another opes wide, and women and men step forth, are descried, in cerement snow, white and trailing. In haste, for the sport, soon their ankles do twitch, and dwell around in dances so gay, the young and the old, and the poor and the rich. But the cerements stand in their way, and as modesty cannot avail them aught here, they shake themselves all, and the shrouds soon appear, scattered over the tombs in confusion. Now waggles the leg, and now wriggles the thigh, as the troop with strange gestures advance, and rattle and clatter, anon rises high, as of one beating time to the dance. The sight to the warder seems wondrously queer, when the villainous tempter speaks thus in his ear, Seize one of the shrouds that lie yonder. Quick as the thought, it was done, and for safety he fled behind the church door with all speed. The moon still continues here clear light to shed on the dance that they fearfully lead. But the dancers at length disappear one by one, and their shrouds, ere they vanish, they carefully done. And under the turf all is quiet. But one of them stumbles and shuffles there still, and gropes at the graves in despair. Yet tis by no comrade he's treated so ill, the shroud he soon scents in the air. So he rattles the door, for the warder is well, that tis blessed and so abled the force to repel, all covered with crosses in metal. For the shroud he must have, and no rest will allow, there remains for reflection no time. On the ornaments gothic, the white seizes now, and from point onto point hastes to climb. Alas for the warder, his doom is decreed, like a long-legged spider with near-changing speed, advances the dreaded pursuer. The warder he quakes, and the warder turns pale, the shroud to restore fane had sought. When at the end, now can nothing to save him avail, in a tooth formed of iron is caught, with vanishing luster the moon's race is run, when the bell thunders loudly, a powerful one, and the skeleton fails. Crushed to atoms. Her Strong Enchantments Failing by A. E. Hausman Her strong enchantments failing, her towers of fear and wreck, her limbex dried of poisons, and the knife at her neck. 
The queen of air and darkness begins to shrill and cry, O young man, O my slayer, tomorrow you shall die. O queen of air and darkness, I think tis truth you say, and I shall die tomorrow, but you will die today. Tithonius by Tennyson The woods decay, the woods decay and fall. The vapors weep their burden to the ground. Man comes and tills the field and lies beneath, and after a many summers, dies the swan. Me, only cruel immortality, consumes. I wither slowly in thine arms. Here, at the quiet limit of the world, a white-haired shadow, roaming like a dream. The ever-silent spaces of the east, far-folded mists, and gleaming halls of morn. Alas, for this grey shadow, once a man, so glorious in his beauty, and thy choice, who madest him thy chosen, that he seemed to his great heart none other than a god. I asked thee, give me immortality. Then didst thou grant mine asking with a smile, like wealthy men who care not how they give. But thy strong hours indignant worked their wills, and beat me down and marred and wasted me. And though thou could not end me, life left me maimed. To dwell in presence of immortal youth, immortal age beside immortal youth, and all I wish is ashes. Can thy love, thy beauty, make amends, though even now, close over us, the silver star, thy guide, shines in those tremulous eyes that fill with tears. To hear me? Let me go. Take back thy gift. Why should a man in any way to vary from the kindly race of men, or pass beyond the goal of ordinance, where all should pause, as is most meet for all? A soft air fans the cloud apart, there comes a glimpse of the dark world where I was born. Once more the old mysterious glimmer steals from thy pure brows and from thy shoulders pure, and bosom beating with heart renewed. Thy cheeks begin to redden through the gloom, thy sweet eyes brighten slowly close to mine, ere yet they blind the stars and the wild team. Which love thee, yearning for thy yoke, arise, and shake the darkness from their loosened manes, and beat the twilight into flakes of fire. Lo, ever thus thou growest beautiful, in silence, then before thine answer given, departest, and thy tears are on my cheek. La Belle Dame Sans Merci, written in 1819. O what can ail thee, knight at arms, alone and palely loitering? The sedge has withered from the lake, and no birds sing. Oh, what can ail thee, knights at arms, so haggard and so woebegone? The squirrel's granary is full, and the harvest's done. I see a lily on thy brow, with anguished moist and fever dew, and on thy cheeks a fading rose, fast withereth too. I met a lady in the meads, full beautiful and fairy's child. Her hair was long, her foot was light, and her eyes were wild. I made a garland for her head, and bracelet too, and fragrant zone. She looked at me as she did love, and made sweet moan. I set her on my pacing steed, and nothing else saw all day long, for sidelong would she bend and sing a fairy's song. She found me roots of relish sweet, and honey wild, and mana dew, and sure in language trained she said, I love thee true. She took me to her elfin grot, and there she wept and sighed full sore, and there I shut her wild, wild eyes with kisses for. And there she lulled me asleep, and there I dreamed 
Ah, woe betide. The latest dream I ever dreamt on the cold hillside. I saw pale kings and princes too. Pale warriors, death pale were they all. They cried, Le Bella Sam Damesi, hath thee in thrall. I saw their starved lips in the gloam, with horrid warning gaped wide, and I awoke and found me here on the cold hillside. And this is why I sojourn here, alone and palely loitering, though the sedge is withered from the lake, and no birds sing. Rudyard Kipling, The Vampire, 1897 A fool there was, and he made his prayer, even as you or I. To a rag and a bone and a hank of hair, we called her the woman who did not care. But the fool, he called her, his lady fair, even as you or I. Oh, the years we waste and the tears we waste, and the work of our head and hand, belong to the woman who did not know, and now we know, that she never could know, and did not understand. Our fool there was, and his goods he spent, even as you or I. Honour and faith and a sure intent, and it wasn't the least what the lady meant, but a fool must follow his natural bent, even as you or I. Oh, the toil we lost and the spoil we lost, and the excellent things we planned, belonged to the woman who did not know why, and now we know why she never knew why, and did not understand. The fool was stripped to his foolish hide, even as you or I, which she might have seen when she threw him aside, but it isn't on record the lady tried. So some of him lived, but most of him died, even as you or I. And it isn't the shame and it isn't the blame that stings like a white-hot brand. It comes to know that she never knew why, seeing at last she could never know why, and could never understand. Song of the Necromancer by Clark Ashton Smith I will repeat a subtle rune, and thronging sons of other ware shall blaze upon the blinding air, and spectres terrible and fair shall wake the riven world at noon. The star that was mine empery, in dust upon unwinnowed skies, but primal dreams have made me wise, and soon the shattered years shall rise, to my remembered sorcery, to mantic mutterings brief and low, my places shall lift amain, my bowers bloom, I will regain, the lips whereon my lips have lain, in rose-red twilights long ago. Before my murmured exorcism, the world and whispery wraith shall flee, a stranger earth, a weirder sea, People with shapes of fairy shall swirl upon the waste abysm. The pantheons of darkened stars shall fall athwart the crocus dawn. Goddess and Gorgon, La and Fawn, shall tread the amaranthine lawn, and giants fight their thunderous wars. Like graven mountains of basalt, dark idols of my demons there, shall tower through bright zones of air, fronting the sun with level stare. And hell shall pay my deepest vault, Phantom and friend and sorcerer shall serve me till my term shall pass, and I become no more, alas, than a frail shadow on the glass before some latter conjurer. Spirits of the Dead by Edgar Allan Poe Thy soul shall find itself alone, mid dark thoughts of the grey tombstone, not one of all the crowd to pry into thine hour of secrecy. Be silent in that solitude, which is not loneliness, for then, the spirits of the dead who stood, in life before three, are again. In death around three, and their will, shall overshadow thee, be still. The night, though clear, shall frown, and the stars shall look not down. 
from their high thrones in the heaven, with light hope to mortals given. But their red orbs without beam, to thy weariness shall seem as a burning and a fever, which would cling to thee forever. Now are thoughts thou shalt not banish, now are visions near to vanish, from thy spirit shall they pass, no more, like dewdrops from the grass. The breeze, the breath of God is still, and the mist upon the hill, shadowy, shadowy yet unbroken, is a symbol and a token, how it hangs upon the trees, a mystery of mysteries. Dead Man's Hate by Robert E. Howard They hanged John Farrell in the dawn amid the marketplace. At dusk came Adam Brand to him and spat upon his face. O oh, neighbours all, spoke Adam Brand, see ye John Farrell's fate. Tis proven here, a hemp and noose is stronger than man's hate. For heard ye not John Farrell's vow to be avenged upon me? Come life or death, see how he hangs high on the gallows tree. Yet never a word the people spoke in fear and wild surprise, for the grisly corpse raised up its head and stared with sightless eyes, and with strange motions slow and stiff pointed at Adam Brand, and clambered down the gibbet tree, the noose within its hand. With gaping mouth stood Adam Brand like a statue carved of stone, till the dead man laid a clammy hand hard on his shoulder bone. Then Adam shrieked like a soul in hell, the red blood left his face, and he reeled away in a drunken run, through the screaming marketplace. And close behind, the dead man came, with a face like a mummy's mask, and the dead joints cracked and the stiff legs creaked with their unwanted task. Men fled before the flying twain, or shrank with bated breath, and they saw on the face of Adam Brand, the seal set there by death. He reeled on buckling legs that failed, yet on and on he fled. So through the shuddering marketplace, the dying fled the dead. At the riverside fell Adam Brand with a scream that rent the skies. Across him fell John Farrell's corpse, nor ever the twain did rise. There was no wound on Adam Brand, but his brow was cold and damp, for the fear of death had blown out his life as a witch blows out a lamp. His lips were writhed in a horrid grin, like a fiend's on Satan's coals, and the men that looked on his face that day, his stare still haunts their souls. Such was the fate of Adam Brand, a strange unearthly fate, for stronger than death or hempen noose are the fires of a dead man's hate. The Devil's Nine Questions by Anonymous Now you must answer my questions nine. Sing ninety-nine and ninety, or you aren't gods, you are one of mine. And who is the weaver's bonny? What is whiter than milk? Sing ninety-nine and ninety, and what is softer than silk? And who is the weaver's bonnie? Snow is whiter than milk. Sing ninety-nine and ninety, and down is softer than silk. And I am the weaver's bonnie. What is louder than a horn? Sing ninety-nine and ninety, and what is sharper than a thorn? And who is the weaver's bonnie? Thunder is louder than a horn. Sing ninety-nine and ninety, and death is sharper than a thorn. And I am the weaver's bonnie. What is higher than a tree? Sing ninety-nine and ninety. And what is deeper than the sea? And who is the weaver's bonny? Heaven is higher than a tree. Sing ninety-nine and ninety. And hell is deeper than the sea. And I am the weaver's bonny. What's more innocent than a lamb? Sing ninety-nine and ninety. What is meaner than womankind? And who is the weaver's bonny? 
a babe's more innocent than a lamb, sing 99 and 90. And the devil is meaner than womankind, and I am the weaver's bonnie. You have answered my questions nine. Sing 99 and 90. So you are gods, you are none of mine, and you are the weaver's bonnie. Arcadian Days by Robert E. Howard Back in the days of green Arcady when the world was young and free, I toiled for gold in the days of old, in Arcady, green Arcady. Mighty feud, mape-limbed in the world-dawn haze, for I was a swordsmith in those old gold days. Early in the morning, how my sledge would clang. Through the sapphire evening, how the red spark sprang. How my hammer boomed on bronze hilt and shaft. How the anvil clashed, and the forge, how it laughed. Glowing through the dusk of the whispering night, beating up the morning with its rose-red light. But Zeus, how I labored, and Jove, how I sweat, and I grumbled o'er my anvil, with a fume and a fret. For I rose at the dawn, and I labored like a slave, for hobbles that cursed me, for a fool and a knave. Until late at night, and to my hut I'd gone, to rise again, to toil again, with the coming of the dawn. Mountains on the skyline, whispers of the sea, croon of the night wind, they all called to me. And I thrilled at the vistas that swept down the gorge, for poetry was in me, but it sweltered at the forge. So I grumbled as I hammered, o'er oh, the sullen metal stark, and I loomed through the smoke like a goblin of the dark, and the grimy soot caked on the hair of my arms, and I cursed at the yokels plodding in from the farms, plodding from the farms and the vineyards on the hill, with the wine and the grape and the golden apple mill. As close by the forge, they stop agape to stare at my long ape arms and my wild shaggy hair. Oh, ere my slanting forehead, the mane tumbled down, and my small simian eyes glowered back with a frown. Short and swart and mighty, muscles like an ape, I glowered at the yokels who stared all agape. As day on day I labored, with a loud anvil clang, and often with the measure, in a roaring voice I sang. Deep bass below, from a hairy chest, timbered with the anvil and the roar of the forge, making up for rhythm with a red blood zest, wild as a hill wind that roars through a gorge. Brass for a peasant, gold for a king, and bronze for a warrior, where the broadswords sing. Golden-hafted, brazen-shafted, ho, a kingly sword, fit for a knight to make a stand with such brand in his hand. Gainest a hoard, then ho and ho again, for the anvil's roar, for the clamor of the hammer and the metal worker's lore. A helmet for a chief and a cuirass for a lord, for a king's own hand, a golden-hilted sword, ho and ho and a ha. Then sun like a gold thing floated on the high, and the green woodlands ran to the blue dreaming sky. The hills in the distance loomed up like gods, and the wood deer scampered in the sun's red rods. And it reeled down the hill, it danced and it sung, but I toiled and I cursed with a forge smoke hung. Then suddenly I turned, and you were standing there, with a lyre in your fingers and a garland on your hair. Tall, slim and lithe, like a white-limbed god, twirling in your finger a garland's Dion's rod. And you were scarcely steady from your liking of vine. Your garment was a kirtle, and your breath was scented wine. And you glanced at the forge, and you glanced at me. And you strummed on your lyre, and laughed with glee. Your laughter was like music, your voice like a rhyme. As you sang clear and strong, 
like a far golden chime. Gold morns laughing over the ocean dawns a whisper on the sea, and a silver brook is brawling with its tiny cat rack falling. From the woodlands, Pan is calling, come away, come away with me, come away, come away, with the wood nymphs laugh at play. There are trails through sapphire meadows, nighttime soft with laughing shadows, emerald isles and topaz oceans with a mermaid's flash in spray. Come away, Pan is prancing, come away, the fawns are dancing, and it's my good time I'm wasting as I pause to sing this lay. Come to the woodland, away and away. You were the wind song, starlight in your hair. I hearkened to your singing with wonder all astare. Then to my forge I whirled, and I gripped a mighty sledge, and I smashed the mighty anvil and flung it to the hedge. I whirled on high the hammer, and I hurled in the rill, and the bellows and the forge I tumbled down the hill. In the gold of the morning my soul soared free, and I laughed like a giant, and you laughed with me. And your laughter was a chime, was the ripple of the rill, as through the golden morning we strode down the hill. Your lyre was a breath from the far, far seas, Ah, your hair in the sunlight as it floated in the breeze. On my bow legs I followed, wonder in my eyes, all agape with wonder at your songs and your lies. Tales of sea and city and fair strange lands, music of the gods from your slim, strong hands. Palms at your fingertips, jests on all you saw, and each jest I greeted with uproarious guffaw, as through the sapphire woodlands we strode to meet the dawn. On the roads, O oh morning, like a satyr and a fawn. The white roads, O oh morning, the age's golden truth. We walked in green Arcady when the world was wild with youth. But the Hills Were Ancient Then by Robert Irvin Howard Now is the summer come out of the sea, and the hills that were bare are green. They shower the petals and the bee on the valleys that lay between. So it was in the dreaming pass, and life is a shifting maze. Summer on summer fading fast, in a mist of yesterdays. Out of the east the tang of smoke, the flight of the startled deer. A ringing axe the silence broke, the tread of the pioneer. Saxon eyes in a weathered face, cabins where trees had been. Hard on the heels of a fading race, but the hills were ancient then. Up from the south a haze of dust, the pack mule's steady pace. Armor tarnished and red with dust. Stern eyes in a sun-bronzed face. The mesquite mocked the flag of Spain that the wind flung out again. The grass bent under the pack-mule train, but the hills were ancient then. And one last short one by Robert Irvin Howard titled Ambition, written in 1930. Build me a gibbet against the sky, solid and strong and long miles high. Let me hang where the high winds blow that never stoop to the world below, and the great clouds lumber by. Let the people who toil below see me swaying to and fro, see me swinging the aeons through a dancing dot in the distant blue. The more I read of Robert Irvin Howard, the more I enjoy his writing. I'm going to have to look into more of his poems. They are just absolutely delightful. So, I hope you enjoyed today's episode, cram-packed full of poetry, with varying different styles. And did you have a favourite of the poems narrated today? I'm actually really torn between Green Arcadia Days and Dead Man's Hate. Both those poems are brilliant. 
I absolutely love the horror aspect of Dead Man's Hate, the freakiness of it all, and how it ends, but I love the whimsical and fae-like qualities that Robert explored in Arcadian Days. So those are my favourite two. I'm not sure if you could tell as I was reading them, because I read them on the fly. What you're hearing me read is the first reading, so you may even hear me enjoying the poem as I'm reading it. <laughs> I can't help it when there's good ones like Dead Man's Hate, oh, hard to beat. If you have any poems of your own, or you know of any creepy poems that others would love to hear, by all means, send it my way. I'd love to share not only creepy stories, but you know, creepy poems or even just poems in general that are your favorite. And if you want to reach out to me in general for any questions or requests, you can reach me at storiesfablesghostlytales at gmail.com. That's storiesfablesghostlytales at gmail.com. So have yourself a fantastic weekend. It's a Friday over here in Australia. So to all my US listeners out there, I'm in the future. <laughs> and by the time you listen to this, what, Friday morning? So have a fantastic Friday morning. And for all those listening to me in the Southern Hemisphere, well, have a fantastically creepy night. <laughs> and with Halloween around the corner, you best believe it that I'm working on a Halloween special. I don't want to reveal anything just yet, but it's going to be maybe a combination of stories plus research. Either way, I'm working hard to get this done. So as always, my lovely ghouls and ghasts, catch me next week for more stories, and till next time.